Everybody's favorite part, I'm sure. Alright, well, well, good morning. Alright, everybody looks good in their uh, Christmas shirts. Almost, almost everybody. <laughs> um, so this this is probably the first and the last time you'll ever see me in suspenders and a bow tie, thank God. <laughs> this is what happens when you send your wife to send uh, to buy a Christmas sweater and they don't have your size. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this morning, guys, we were so thankful that you've come to worship with us together. And first thing I want to say thank you to Patty. <laughs> She's going to translate for us this morning. And, you know, and something that I learned a long time ago is that, you know, preaching is something that we are all involved in, right? It's not just a one-way conversation. And so I'd ask you, you know, we're going to pray in a second, but I would ask you, as I'm preaching, as Patty's translating, would you just be praying for us? Uh, Alright, this morning uh, we've come to the part in our Advent series where we're going to talk about love. Love is probably everyone's favorite topic to talk about. Uh, and I think love is something that, especially <laughs> as Westerners, we don't really understand what we mean when we say love. For example, I, I can say, you know, I love my wife, I love my kids, but I also love tacos a lot. But in Chinese, for example, there's you know a couple of different words for I, like I and then tongue I. And so not only do we not understand a lot when we say the word love, but maybe in our cultures there's different definitions of what love actually is. For example, we have the Hollywood definition of love, which is like falling in love. I know in, in my culture, uh, right now, if you disagree with someone or you tell them that they made a bad decision, it means that you don't love them. Or if you grew up in Asia, I have friends that said when they were younger, their parents would shame them into doing something to get them to try harder and making that seem like they were loving them in that moment. But, but love is something that the Bible talks about a lot. And it's something that's important to us as humans. In fact, we need love. We need to actually feel love in order to survive. And 
And Jesus actually said, they're going to know that you are my disciples by the way that you what? You're gonna, Jesus said, they'll know that you are my disciples by the way that you love each other. Alright, so love's important. We gotta talk about it. So this morning we're gonna talk about what the Bible says when it talks about love. Alright, this is gonna be, we're gonna, if you have your Bibles or your phones, it's gonna be up on the screen in John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. So you have to stand for the reading of God's word. Let's say it first in uh, English and then we'll repeat it in Chinese. Alright. Oh, 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 oh. oh, there it is. Alright, one, two, three, let's go. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son to everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, good to see you. This is John chapter 316. There's going to be three simple points this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, number one, the three things that the Bible says about what love actually is. And then we're going to talk about, okay, well, if the Bible says that, then how should we live, or how should that change our lives? And remember, it's something that we need to understand, because as uh, Westerners and as people, we don't often understand what we mean when we say love. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say this, but the first time I told Allison, my wife, that I loved her, it was actually through a text message. Uh, Alright, so uh, millennials, all you guys out there, this is not a good idea. <laughs> it was 21, it was my 21st birthday, and I said, I texted her and said, I love you. <laughs> to which she replied in a text, do you really know what you're saying? 
And so it's important even for people that love Jesus to know what we mean when we say love. Alright, so the very first thing that John says here in John 3.16, he says, For God loved the world in this way. The first point that we see from John is saying that number one, love comes from God's character. It comes from his nature. Alright, that means that there are these statements in the Bible that declares God is something. For example, the Bible says that God is holy. Uh, the Bible says that God is light, and so there's no darkness in God. But the Bible also says that God is love. 1 John 4 8 says this. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. And what that means, you guys, is that God doesn't have to force himself to be loving. God doesn't like sit up in heaven and look at the Holy Spirit and say, Bro, I need your help here. I need you to help me love this person. It's really tough. That love comes from who God is. So if we want to know love, if we want to be loved, we have to go to God the Creator, God the Father, and know what love actually is. Now, you and I, on the other hand, we actually need help to be loving, to be kind. I know I do, right? I need to ask the Holy Spirit, help, help me be loving, help me be kind. Especially when I'm driving in Taiwan, the Spirit help me. Right, that's not God. God doesn't need help to be loving. That's just who He is. See what this says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says this about God's love. It says that He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ for Himself. Listen this. According to the good pleasure of His will. That your salvation, that my redemption comes and it begins in this place out of God's pleasure. So the first thing that the Bible says about love is number one, it actually comes from God's character. He defines what love is. But if we're honest, which I know doesn't always happen in church, but if we're honest, you guys, sometimes we think, I know I think that God is stingy. That he withholds good from us. That he's not generous. But the Bible says that God is love, and we're going to see it in our next point. Not only is God love, but God's love is demonstrated. It actually looks like something. But 
Uh, John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. That God's love isn't something we just talk about. It's not just an idea, but it's something that He showed us. Now, now John, the, the writer of this book, was writing to a group of people who were struggling to know why is Jesus such a big deal? What makes Jesus unique, right? And what John is doing here is he's saying, you guys talk about love, oh, you say this is what love is, but God demonstrated what love looks like. And it says here that he gave us his one and only son. In the book of John, you guys, this word gave is actually repeated like 49 times just in the Gospel of John. Which means like Jesus says that he gave his disciples authority to heal the sick and to preach the gospel. It says that Jesus gave them teaching, gave them bread to eat, right? And it says here that the Father gives the Son. And not only that, but in the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, the word of the idea of blessing, like God blessing his people, is one of the most repeated themes in that book. Right? And it doesn't mean that God's going to bless you with a new BMW or He's going to bless you with a million NT, right? It's not what, that's not what the Bible says. But the Bible says that God gives us His best when it says that He gave us His one and only Son. And this is something you guys have been very weird and very confusing at that time in their culture, and maybe even like Taiwan. They had these mythologies, right, where they believe their gods and they believe their legends. And this is what their God said, okay? This is one, like, big godfather, I guess, talking to his son. This is in their mythology. And it says this, Dear son, refrain, it is not well that a god should suffer for the sake of men. And so when John is writing this book, you guys, it is countercultural to what they believe a God should do or a God should be like. And as we look at what John is saying, he says, number one, that God, that love comes from God. Number two, that God's love is demonstrated. But now number three, he's going to show us that God's love is costly. 
。那约翰约翰福音说，第一点就是说神就是爱，第二点就是说神的爱是呈现出来，然后第三点就是说神的爱是要付出代价。And so as we, uh, as we, I was going to ask Hudson. Hudson, if you come here today, with me just for a second. 好，好，现在我们要就请他的儿子 Hudson 来。All right, this is not my one and only son. This is my oldest son. 呃，这不是他唯一的呃独生子，算是他的呃最大的儿子。And I want you guys to get a visual picture of what this looks like. 那我们想要就是呈现就比较明显，告诉大家说就是这大概是到底是怎么一回事。You know, obviously I'm not Godfather. This is not Jesus. 他他不是，他不是天父，他也不是耶稣。But what the Bible says is that God says John 3:16 says He gave His one and only Son. That word one and only also means unique, one of a kind. And maybe you know this, but when the Bible talks about the world, it's not talking about these people that are amazing and that they're awesome. It's talking about rebellious humanity who said, "God, we don't want you. We don't need you." 就是他讲说的人哦，其实不是那种哦，很棒，很就是做很好的那一些人，是一些叛逆的人，拒绝他的人，就是不要他的人。In fact, here it says in John 3:16 that whoever believes in Him will not perish. And what the Bible declares here, guys, is that when God looks at humanity, right, He's not looking down at people and saying, "I believe in you. You can do better. You can try harder." That's not what He's seeing. John says that you and I, we are headed for destruction if God didn't send Jesus to die for us in our place. And so I want you to look at this word love. It says, for God loved the world in this way. This word love. This word love is the Greek word agape. Now, agape is a really deep word that has a lot of different meanings, but there's one meaning that I thought really stood out here. Agape, 其实它就是有很多不同意义，可是有其中一个就是我觉得现在特别的明显。The word agape can mean putting the needs of someone else above your own well-being. Agape, 其中一个意义就是说把别人需要的，就是高于你自己需要。So guys, this is what the gospel says. Is that God the Father placed the well-being, the needs of rebellious humanity over us, even above the well-being of His one and only Son? 就是神说说的爱，就是说他把我们人，就是他我们需要的高于他自己本来的。And I think it's one thing, you know, as a dad, I think it's one thing to think, you know, maybe I send my son, maybe he goes into the military and he dies in the military. Maybe that's something you can be proud of when we die for our country. Or maybe you know, he, he, he decides to be a missionary, he goes to the mission field, and he dies on the mission field, and it's like, man, there's honor in that, right? I'd be proud of that, even though he's sad. Sorry, 
，就是他也想要当宣教师，可是他在宣教过程当中也是就是呃牺牲了，然后可是他父母可能也会觉得为此而骄傲。Could you imagine sending your son to a place where he would be rejected? 那你可以想象，就是说你会把你的儿子拆开去一个地方，他是会被拒绝。Where he would be uh, humiliated. Where he would be tried as a criminal, right? Where he would be stripped naked, humiliated, and crucified in the most excruciating way on the cross. All for the people that he was going to save. And the beautiful thing about the gospel, you guys, is that it's not just the Father who sends the Son, but in John chapter 10, Jesus says this. Jesus says this. He says in John chapter 10, 18, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. 就是约翰福音十章十八节里面说，没有人能夺去我的生命，是我自己显去的。我有权把生命显去，没有权把它取回来，这是我从我的父所领受的命令。And so what what the bottom declares, you guys, if you go back to the last slide, Ronnie, Christian love is a lot less about our comfort and more about the glory of God. 就是我们就会看到这个，就是说，其实基督的爱，就是说我们看待就是比别人多于自己。All right, and so as we look at this, this, this text this morning, the love of God is. There's three things about what the Bible says about love, right? 好，那我们今天一直这样讲下来，就是说，呃，神的爱有三个不同的重点。Number one, that love comes from God's character. So if you want to know love, I want to know love. It actually comes from knowing God. 那第一点的话，如果你你跟我都想要知道什么是爱的话，其实神就是爱。Uh, number two, we see that God's love is demonstrated. It's not just mere talk, but it actually looks like something. 那第二点就是说，神的爱不只是光从讲话出来的，他还会用行动展现出来。And then the third thing, we see that God's love is costly. It's a sacrifice. 那第三点就是说，神的爱是有代价的。And as we think about Jesus being given to you and to me. Uh, we might we might ask this question like who would ever reject who would ever reject this gift right who would ever reject God dying for your sin and your shame? And the point is, is that every single one of us. But in the Christmas story, you and I are not the people who accept Jesus and love Jesus. We're the people that reject Him. We're the people that say we don't need you. And we're the people that say, you know, we'd rather live our lives without you. 就是在讲说基督对基督的爱的时候，我们不是说我们接受你，我们是那一种拒绝他，不要他，说我们不需要你的那一种。And I believe without a work of the Holy Spirit, you and I cannot receive. Jesus and this gift of love that God's given to us. There's a there's a friend of mine that came to Christ and I asked him, hey, what's it what's it like knowing Jesus, man? And he said, you know, it's it's kind of weird because in one one aspect it's amazing, right? I know that I'm saved, I know the love of the Father. So, 
But in one aspect, he said it's really difficult because he felt like God, Jesus, like moved into his house. And so he said, like all the dirt that he hid in the corner, or all the stuff that he swept under the rug, Jesus is just coming in and saying, "Listen, it's not good. It's not healthy." Is this what God's love says to you? He says, "I love you where you are. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus. He loves you where you are." But God also says that my love will not allow you to stay where you are. My love will challenge you. My love will change you. My love will transform you. Alright, so then as we think about this kind of love that we receive as Christians, how should we live now? What should this love do to us? Uh, the first thing I thought about that God's love, because God's love will change your life. It, it will transform you. Knowing the affection and the delight and the pleasure of the Father will transform your life. So the first thing is, what should God's love do to us? Number one, Christ's love should give us confidence. It should give us hope. Right? Romans 5, 6-8 says this, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Rarely will someone die for a good person, though for a good person, someone will might, someone might dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so guys, if you, if you and I really believe, if we really believe that apart from Christ, we are enemies of God, if you really believe that apart from Christ, that we deserve His wrath and His judgment. And yet it was in that moment that He looked at you, and He looked at me, and He said, I love you so much to take my one and only Son and let Him die for you. That gives us confidence. How much more is he for us now that we know him, now that we're in him? Alright, so the first thing he says is that she gives confidence and boldness. Uh, and even as I was preparing this message, I was praying, I felt like uh, just this verse here in 1 John chapter 4. Be up here. It's not up there. First John 4, 18 says this, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. First John 4, 18. And as I was praying this week, I really even felt like a burden for many of the people in this 
be paralyzed or crippled by fear. That maybe you're afraid to make decisions, you're afraid of what people might think about you, you're afraid of just everything. And I want to tell you this morning that the love of God being poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit will set you free. Alright, so God's love should be bold. That means this, you guys, that as Christians, our boldness doesn't come from our own righteousness or our own holiness, but our boldness comes from God, His love and His delight for us. When we were moving to Taiwan, we were on a plane. And before we moved to Taiwan, it was a really quick change for us. So we were across three or four different time zones. We were flying across all these different states to visit people before we moved here. And so, I mean, we were on the last flight going to South Carolina, which is the last place we were going, we were going before we moved here. And I remember I was on the plane, and because uh, I love my wife, I actually sat next to my boys, and she was sitting over there enjoying her flight with Hannah. <laughs> and so I remember my boys were tired, I mean, they'd been in all these different time zones, and it was a long flight, and so the flight, I mean, I was irritated, I was frustrated, rather, I was trying to just tell them to just, you know, just chill out, you know, on the plane. Uh, was it, this definitely wasn't my best moment. And I remember looked across the aisle, and immediately I felt like the Lord said that he, he gave me a word for this guy that was sitting right across the aisle from me. Alright, so we're going to talk about this at some point in our community about a word of knowledge and the gifts of the Spirit, but this is what happened. And so I feel like what the Lord said to me is number one, He gave me this word Navajo, which is a which is a uh, American Yuan Oh, Yuan Yes. And this guy was really white. And then I also feel like I got the word uh, missionary, that maybe this guy had a call to be a missionary and he was. He was about to make a decision, and that God was telling him that he wanted him to be a missionary. And so I remember I, I looked over at this guy and I said, Hey, um, I think God wants me to tell you something. And anytime you say that, I mean, people's eyes are like, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and so I said, hey, you know, I feel like I told him. I, I didn't say the word Navajo, actually, because I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, that's super random. But I just said, hey, I feel like God is calling you to be a missionary, and maybe you're trying to make a decision. He wants to tell you that he wants you to be a missionary. Oh, he didn't say the word Navajo, because he was very sensitive. But he said, 
And he said, oh, that's really strange. He said, because for the last two or three months, I've actually been on this mission, and I'm trying to decide right now if God's really calling me to, to do that or not. I'm going back home to make a decision. And so I said, man, was it with a uh, was it with like a, an Indian people group? And he said, yes. As a Navajo? And I said, yes, how did you, you know, how did you know that? And so the, the, the point of me sharing this testimony is that number one, I was not sitting in my airplane seat fasting and praying and worshiping Jesus, right? That's not what was happening in that moment. That my boldness, our boldness as believers does not come from our own personal holiness. It comes from Christ's righteousness and God's love being poured in our hearts and us being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And the guy got up, he's like, how did you do that? Dude, it's not me at all, right? It's, it's God wants to go out of his way to tell you and to encourage you that he wants you to be a missionary. That's what he's doing. So if you're here this morning and you if you're here this morning and you are believing a lie that oh I have to be at this certain level of holiness or God can't use you because you have issues in your life, that's a lie. That all God has are weak, broken, yet growing people. That's all He's got. That's you and me. Alright, so that's the first thing that God's love should make us bold, should make us confident. But number two, really quickly, God's love should uh, cause us to live differently. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 14 through 15 says this, For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died, and he died, so that those who live, we shouldn't live for ourselves anymore, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Second uh, Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. It's right, it's right here. Alright, so those of you who are married, maybe you guys remember this time, but I, I, mean, I actually wish it was still more now than it was then, but I remember when I was 
dating my wife, and my only thought was, how can I please her? How can I bring like joy to her heart? Right, you're, you're thinking about, oh man, what can I say, what can I write, and, and you're just happy to see your spouse or the person you're engaged to uh, delight and have joy in that. And I feel like what, what the, the love of God does is it reminds us, it brings us to the, this place where we say, yeah, we want to bring joy to the Father. We want to delight Him. We want to do what pleases Him. And if I'm honest, I wonder how many of us really believe and we really desire just to spend time with Him. Like we enjoy Him. Not that, but I wonder how many of us believe that He actually wants to spend time with us, that He enjoys us. So not only does the love of God actually change how we act towards the Father, but also it changes how we act toward each other. And I think one thing that we struggle to understand as Christians, especially in this culture, is we struggle to actually love each other well. And what I mean by that is, uh, for a long time, my testimony is I thought that being a loving person was just making sure that everybody was happy and that everybody liked me. And I'm going to tell you, that's actually not love, it's being a coward. That real love, right? Real love towards each other means walking in forgiveness, calling people to repent and believe again the gospel. Like, that's what real Christian love looks like for each other. And it's, it, is, it is my hope and my desire that people outside of Lincoln would look at our community and they would say, oh my goodness, like what is happening there? The way that they love each other is one of a kind, it's unique, it's radical. And so uh, this morning I want to close just kind of with this, with the quote and the story. Uh, I think it's a powerful illustration, but the quote actually is from Tim Keller. Can we go back to that? Uh, well, anyways, Tim Keller says this, all right? He says that being fully known but not fully loved is everyone's greatest fear. Uh, but to be fully loved and not fully known is shallow, right? There's no weight to it. He said, but the gospel says this, that, that God fully knows you. He knows every sin, every mistake, everything you have done, are doing, and will do. And yet in Christ, He fully 
loves you and loves me. Uh, there, there's a story of this couple that they were they're a newlywed couple. And uh, they were engaged and they, you know, they're in church together, they were on fire for the Lord. And on the wedding night, uh, the wife sits the husband down and says, you know, I have something to uh, confess to you. And I mean, you guys can imagine, it's your wedding night, she sits him down and she says, you know, I want to confess that during our engagement, like, I was unfaithful to you. I mean, did you imagine the betrayal that you would feel? The sadness? I mean, it's like ripping your heart right out of your chest. And so uh, the husband obviously is processing this, and so they, they go to bed, and the next morning the wife goes to work. And, and the wife comes home after work and she walks into her house. And the husband isn't in the living room, and so she walks and she opens the door to their bedroom. And she sees that on the bed is laid out this pure, spotless white dress. And the husband walks out and he says this. And he says, Because of the gospel, this is how I choose to see you. See, the husband understood that he did the same thing to Jesus. He betrayed Jesus. He's unfaithful to Jesus. And yet Jesus looks at him and says, I have covered your sin. And God sees you as pure white because of my righteousness. And I just I want to just declare to you this morning that if you're someone here and you think that you're trying to maybe work hard to gain the love of God or try to gain his approval, there's nothing we can do except believe in Jesus and then God's love comes into our hearts and comes into our lives. And so this morning, guys, I, I, I don't know, I just really felt like this morning um, God wanted to minister to us this morning. And so I want us just to, uh, let's, let's stand together, and I don't want to just call us to respond this morning. Um, and we're just going to come here and play guitar just for a little bit, but I want us just to, to bow our heads. And I, I want to give us three, three ways to respond to God's word this morning. And so I want to give us three ways to respond this morning. Uh, the first one is if you are a believer in Jesus, 
And you've never heard or you've never felt, you know, what God says to Jesus that you are my beloved son or daughter and you I'm well pleased. I want to pray for you. Because you know, God's love is something that, yes, it's something that we know in our head, but it's actually something that we can feel in our hearts. And what will happen is if you and I don't get our affirmation, our love from God the Father, we will look for it everywhere else. Yeah, so yeah, I want to know, there are people here that would love to pray with you and for you, so just uh, in a second, you come in prayer. Alright, number two is if, uh, like I said, that, that Jesus' love causes us to live differently, so it moves us to forgiveness, it moves us to reconciliation. It sets us free from fear. It really does. I want to just ask you, maybe the person is here that you need to ask forgiveness for, ask forgiveness from. I want you to do that. And if you're just struggling and paralyzed by fear, I want to pray for you this morning. And then the, the final thing you guys is more practical with that we can love our community. That, uh, you guys know you've been here, uh, if you've been here, you've seen the Indonesian students that come into our gatherings, they've been into our homes. But they're in need of uh, winter winter clothes, winter blankets, they don't have anything. So there are a couple of churches that took clothes to them, but I talked to one of the students, and the most important thing they need now is blankets. They don't have any kind of blanket. And so what we're going to do, you guys, and if you can spend this next week, if you have the means to do it, we're going to get some blankets. There's 22 students. We're going to get some blankets. 